there is a cost to, be, and to discipleship, a cost to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. In today's gospel from Luke chapter 9, Jesus offers three costs of discipleship. First, the context. So here's the context of it. Jesus is on a mission. On a mission from the Father, his mission is leading him to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, he will pay a cost, too, for following God. He will suffer, die, rise again, and ascend into heaven. And all this will help to save us through his dying for our sins, through his rising over our death, and through him opening heaven for us and his return to heaven. God has a similar mission for us and other people. And there are also costs for our discipleship too, for our following God through this world and hopefully into heaven. So the first cost of discipleship. As Jesus is on his journey to Jerusalem, a man comes to him in today's gospel and says, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered him, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. What is Jesus saying here? Land. Possessions. These are pretty important to the Jews of the first century. And to us, to extrapolate to our time, Jesus is telling us that we're on a journey. And he's reminding the wannabe disciples and you and I today that we too must be on that journey. We should not get too attached to the land to our house, to our possessions, our toys, our electronic devices, our vacations, our entertainment, our things. And so much so that we forget that we're on a journey. We settle. And we settle for what we have here and now. We become so attached to this world and our lives in it that we detach ourselves from the pursuit of the land, the heavenly homeland. Think of it this way, a true story. A man from China, a Catholic, part of the underground Catholic church. He was very involved and active in his faith. There, though, he was constantly harassed by the government and persecuted because of his faith. But this only galvanized and strengthened his faith. He had an opportunity to immigrate to England. There, he was able to go to Mass every day. And without fear or obstacles, he was overjoyed. And he went to Mass every day. Not just the weekend, but during the weekdays. He got a job at first to make money for his family back in China and what little he needed in order to live here. He went to daily Mass less and less, so he could work more and more for them. Then he started to get things for himself. He worked even more to make more money to have more things. He went to Mass on Sunday less and less. Finally, he stopped going altogether. Within a few years, he became what is now called a practical atheist. That is, he still believed in his head in God, but he no longer lived out his beliefs and practiced his faith. 
what the Chinese government could not do to this man through force and even violence, take away his faith, the Western lifestyle in England did through busyness and possessions within a matter of just a couple years. The man became more attached to this world than to God. It can happen and is happening to many of us and many of the people that we know and love. A house, money, possessions, our work, our sports, our schools, our jobs and titles, these are all good. They're natural goods. But if we put them first and put them first for long enough, these natural gifts overshadow our ability, our ability to see and appreciate the natural good, the supernatural good. We live more for the goods of this world than for the good of the life of heaven. The cost of discipleship is to put God as the first and greatest good, even above the natural goods of this world. This is a real cost. The irony here, though, is that when we put God as our first good, he helps us truly appreciate and appropriately appreciate all the natural goods of this life. And we can enjoy them so much better than when we are slaves to them. The second cost of discipleship. A second man says to Jesus, I will follow you. Let me first go and bury my father. Jesus responds, let the dead bury their dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. This is incredible for a first century Jew. Remember the Ten Commandments and the Fourth Commandment. God says, honor thy mother and thy father. Thou shalt honor thy mother and thy father. Well, the supreme honor is not only to take care of our parents, for instance, when they get older in age, but also to bury them when they die. So think of it this way. What person has the power to tell us that we have to love him more than we love our parents? Be more obedient to him. Follow him first. Care for his ways more than what we have learned from our parents. Only God. Jesus here is reminding us then that he is God. Therefore, we are to love him, be obedient to him, follow him, be his disciples before even obedience to our parents. And this makes sense, too, if we think about the impact of what Jesus is trying to say. For instance, we have families in this parish, and we have them in every parish who send their kids to Catholic schools or to PSR, who have kids who are in school and school age. And they don't go to Mass on Sunday. Or they go irregularly. And they're not involved as parents in growing their faith. At best, they maintain it. And often at a level that they themselves learned while they were children growing up in their own families. Parents are a good a natural good. Families are a good, a natural good. But sometimes we learn a family way of life that puts the family before God. 
puts the habits, the customs, the practices, the traditions we learn in the family before God. Puts the children and what we want for them or what they want from us before God. When we live for the natural way, before the supernatural way, even when the natural way is good, these ways can actually lead us away from God, not closer. The entire mission of the family, as God designed it, is set up so that we can lead each other and prepare each other for the life of heaven. Therefore, God is telling us, put God first, not family first. There is a cost to authentic discipleship. The irony here, though, is that when we follow this teaching of Jesus about discipleship, putting Jesus before even our own families and family ways, our families are so much healthier, happier, freer, and fuller. When we put God first, we know how best to be parents, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters. Thus, Jesus is not teaching anti anti-family here, but the best way to be family. The third cost of discipleship. A third person says to Jesus, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at home. Jesus then says to him, no one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus' response about the plow and looking behind should call our minds back to two Old Testament episodes. This is the reason why Jesus references it. The first is the call of Elijah, of Elijah to Elisha. Elijah, we know, is a prophet, but still only a man. He calls Elisha to be his disciple. Guess what Elisha is doing when he's called? He's plowing. He's plowing the family farm. Elisha is asked, he asks to Elijah if he can go and say goodbye to his family. Elijah allows Elisha. The contrast here is important and intentional on Jesus' part. Elijah is merely a man, yes, a prophet, but not God. Jesus is God. And he's reminding this wannabe disciple and you and I today that there is a cost to discipleship. Discipleship, following God through this world in order to get to the land of our true inheritance, heaven, requires total adherence to the one we follow, Jesus. Total self-gift to Christ, in which everything is going to be given up in order to follow him. Nothing is put ahead of Jesus, even family, even friends, even parents, even job, even children, even possessions, and fill in the blank. God is above all else. And all of this is preparation for heaven. Where, when you think about it, we will let go of all the stuff of this world and enter to heaven without anything other than ourselves and the choices that we've made while we're in this world. You see, how can we freely choose heaven when we die, if we've lived for the things of this world first.
Or said another way, how can we enter into heaven after death when the way we lived our lives was following the ways of this world in our own ways rather than being a disciple on a journey who put God above all else? Because heaven is about God above all else. Jesus' response about the plow has another Old Testament reference, which reveals another very important dimension to the cost of discipleship. Jesus says in his response, no one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what is left behind is fit for the kingdom of heaven. This should call our mind to the episode of Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember Lot's wife? Lot and his family were told by God through an angel when they were escaping the destruction of Sodom not to look back to what was left behind. This is exactly what Lot's wife did, and it was her undoing. As she was journeying to a place that God was leading her and her family, she turned around longing for what she thought was being lost as she was being led into a new life. In God, longing even for the sins and the sinful ways of living that were so pervasive in the city of sin, Sodom. This can happen to any of us in our efforts to be Jesus' disciples. We can look back to the life that God is calling us from and long for things, even our sins, which often we will see as goods. And this keeps us from moving forward to the fullness of life God wants to give us. We can do this as fellow parishioners and even as a parish. Look at our mission as a parish. We know it well. To make disciples, to become disciples, and to become disciple makers. Something as basic as fear, fear of change, can keep us holding to the past. And truly fearful in resistance to the transformation that Christ wants for our lives, for our families, for our parish. There is a cost to discipleship. The irony here, though, is that when we stop looking back to the things we are leaving behind and allow the Lord to lead us, our families, our friendships, and our parish, onto a journey to heaven, we indeed become fit for the kingdom of heaven, and we help so many others get ready for heaven too. There is a cost to discipleship. It is a very real cost. But there's also a great reward to discipleship, to following God, putting him first before ourselves, before other people, before our possessions, before even natural goods, and even before our sins. The reward is living a life where our greatest good, God, is first in this life. Putting him first in this life, he will actually help us value and appreciate the proper place of everyone and everything in our lives. Putting him first, too, we will be able to let go of all of this world at the end of our lives which is the price that Jesus paid to open heaven to us and the price that we must be ready to pay to get into heaven.